while you find your seats and get comfortable. This service only lasts three hours, so please get comfortable. I'm kidding. Um, well, before we continue, we are, um, I wanted to just share something with you as a team. But just to know that this evening we are still continuing True Story. We, we've heard from some remarkable individuals, their, their God stories, if you can call it that. And tonight we are going to look at uh, Neville Yar's God story. Really quite powerful. Uh, it's brought great transformation to his family um, of what God has done in his life just in this year. And specifically also in a small group is where a lot of the change has taken place. So just want to encourage you as you look, as we look to the end of the year, but also next year, find a small group somewhere and look out early next year to join one. But before we get to the true story, which Michael will be preaching on tonight, uh, we wanted to share something with you as a family, some family news, if I can call it that. We've already shared some of this on our social media platforms today. We shared on Facebook and on Instagram and even on our email list. And because we've shared it there, you might already be aware of it, but I'm actually going to read out because I can't remember verbatim things like Michael. Michael basically remembers his sermon off by heart when he preaches it. I cannot do that. I'm unable to can. My brain has, <laughs> has not got the capability. So I wanted to read to you uh, where we are at as a church at the moment. And I hope that you're going to join us uh, in prayer on this journey. Over the last two years, Pastor George, who we all know, has built a new leadership structure with an emphasis on a healthy team. Uh, we, the Father's House team, would like to share with you uh, in vulnerability that Pastor George has expressed to the leadership team, to us, uh, that the last few years have taken a toll on him on a personal level. He's requested actually to step back from leading Father's House to avoid burnout and to allow for his own personal health. Uh, so after prayerful consideration and consultation with people inside and outside the church on leadership, the leadership team has proposed that George takes six months off from leading, takes six months off from preaching to recover and restore his health and his strength. So we honor George. Uh, we've all sat under his preaching, uh, been prayed for by him. We honor him for his vulnerability in this time and ask that you join us in praying for him. Pray for the leadership team. Pray for your church. Pray for the staff during this time. So, of course, uh, over the course of the last year, our, our church here, this Mandela Bay site, and maybe even after the pandemic, really, um, this church has, the day-to-day -day running of the church has been done by myself and Michael and the staff team, and less and less reliance on Pastor George. Uh, so the running of this local church will continue as normal. We're going to awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace. Amen. And we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're really going to create an impact in this city and this world through the gospel. That does not change. We wanted to thank you uh, for being a part of this church family and that we can share family news like this with you. We are grateful to be able to do this with you. So I wondered if we could just, even though George is not here, George was here this morning as we shared the news. Uh, so George is around, he's available to leadership. <laughs> so sweet. Um, so I was wondering if we just for a moment uh, pray for the church and pray for George. Would you, if you, would, if you wouldn't mind join, uh, joining me for that. And then we're going to have a look at the clip from Neville and, and Mike will be preaching. So let's pray together. Let's pray. Yeah, Father, with, um, with us considering... Uh, 
a different season ahead uh, where George is stepping back from, from leadership. We just want to pray for him. We want to pray that you would restore him. We want to pray that Holy Spirit, that you would work within him to refresh him and to anchor him really in your word and in your presence. We pray that he would experience such great revelation from you straight from heaven that would refresh his soul and renew his strength in Jesus' name. We pray for this church uh, because it is your church. Father, we thank you that you are this church's defender. You are this church's resource. Uh, Jesus, we look to you to lead and to guide in every situation and in every circumstance. We pray for leadership and for the staff and uh, for everybody who's made this their home. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks that this church has become a place where people say, I feel at home here. I can explore my journey with God here. We thank you for that, Father. And we pray that people continue uh, to find strength, renewal, revival, and awakening, and stirring up of their faith here in this home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I mean, just in his absence, a round of applause for Pastor George. So, so yeah, so we're going to go into true story part, is it three or four? Part four. I've been calling it part three to myself. So here's the clip from Neville. It's about seven minutes long, and then Michael will be preaching on it. I, I, I think, Pastor, I think the focus on, um, I can't tell the drug story. I can't tell the story that I was homeless because of drugs while being married. Uh, I can't wow. tell the story of us going through drug, drug addiction, my wife and I, um, when she was pregnant with my youngest. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, my son himself, he's, he's a miracle. He's a miracle. And, and I think that was our biggest fear. And through it all, um, and not to focus too much on the drug side of things, but to focus on the God in, a, in it all. And Jaden was born when Allison and I think I fitted into a 28 jeans. Um, a nightcap had to have a safety pin to just go over my head. So my head was probably about this size, okay? Um, my wife then, in wisdom, uh, rented out our house at the time. And her and the kids then moved to my, to my in-laws. And yeah, I think that's where the, whole, the search came in. You know, there has to be more to life than this. The fact that a bad space would be an understatement of where we were. Um, I was doing, what, two, three grams of tuck a day, um, running the streets of Cape Town, not sleeping for four to five days. Yeah. And this coming from a, from a Christian background, this, this coming from growing up, you know, when people say that you are born converted, um, we were the family in the front row, you know. Taking it that I come from a very religious background, not in a, a relation. So me, it was very religious, you know. There's certain ways, and, and we were Pentecostal, you know. Okay. We were oh, very Pentecostal, okay. you know. <laughs> so we were very charismatic, and it was all about the show. The problem that I had with that is that the show ended after church. And... That made me question the God of the religion. And with Alison, on the other hand, I think we were both just searching. I think we were both just searching for something more. Like, 
I said to you earlier, my life was all about surviving, you know, and when I said to my mom, I want to live, um, I never thought that I would find that life in Christ. This is the exciting part of the story. So, in February this year, okay, whew, um, okay, February this year, on a Sunday, I had a rope around my neck. Okay. Um, and this wasn't based on money or, because remember that was my primary focus in life. You know, yeah. I was chasing money. I was chasing the dream, you know? Yeah. And in February, on a Sunday afternoon, I, I was crying out to God. I said, you know what? There, there has to be more to this life, man. I've, I've had it all. I've lost it all. I've had it all, I've lost it all. I, like, I, I, I'm good at losing and then picking up again. There has to be more to life than this. And, and I say to God, you know what? Let's come to a con let's come to, a, to, to an agreement. Let me take this. Let me, let me call it for you. Because clearly, I'm your yo-yo. So I'm tired of being a yo-yo because I can't take my family through this all the time. And that is the word, the word the Lord gave me. I've never asked you to give up. I've just asked you to give over. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Submit your ways unto the Lord. Yeah. And submission was not something that I was accustomed to. Okay. It was not something I was accustomed to. Even being on the streets, I refused to give up. Um, stole, you know, in my own strength, went for help. Because of your own life. Yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I know the word. I, I can quote the word. I can reference scripture. I know all of it. You know, I know, I know going through the emotions. You know, I know, I know church. I know church. Let, let's put it like that. But I never knew God in a relational manner. It was never a reality for me. Until this year. Until this year. Mm. And probably if my family had to sit here right now, um, it's probably been the best year of my life. Um, and he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we quoted the scripture like it, it's, it's, it's a nursery rhyme. Yeah. And that is what we did. When you give over, so it means that you seek him now because you've given yourself to him. And we started seeking God. Like really, for once and for all, for real, started seeking God. And Pastor, the, the, I think, it's, it's evident, without any arrogance, it's evident in my family. Um, my boys are in youth. I never thought that would happen. My boys hate the church. They are in service every Sunday with us as a family. Um, we were the guys, you know, um, as soon as possible, and I'm funny here say, we are gone. <laughs> um, and I think we found a community. Yeah. And I think that community could have only been established in God. And it's God, Pastor. Yeah. I, you, you know, I, I, I never thought that I would be that guy that says, Yara, it's God. And you know, I always, I used to get irritated by people. They say stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's Yara. And, and then I realized, my wife said to me, you want to know those Jesus people now, yeah, eh? Yeah, now what? And I said, but that's the reality of who we are. You know, it's, it's the fact that all of this, all that we are, all that we have, 
as putting him first and seeking him first. Everybody looks, and if I had to tell anybody right now that 15 years ago I was homeless, everybody would look at me like, what? Impossible? Um, but there's always more to the story. And, and I think that's what my family and I are starting to unpack. Yes, we have been through the hardships. Yes, we have been through the abuses. Yes, we have been through, through the mishaps of life because of our own decisions. But if I look at the grace applied today, that's what we're unpacking now. I think we're past the point of where we, 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 we focus on where we've been through and understand what carried us through it. Thank you so much to Neville. I know he was here this morning. Can you give him a round of applause? Uh, really brave of him to share his story. Good evening to everyone here. My name is Michael Collier. It's a joy for me to share with you this evening. Thank you, Zander. Very kind of you. Um, yeah, it's really a wonderful privilege to round up our, our True Story series that we've been on the month of November. I really would encourage you next Sunday, come for the, the Christmas concert. Vincent and the team have been working really hard on it. It's going to be excellent. Um, but it's a privilege to, to share with you this evening uh, from Neville's story. Um, and one of the things I really wanted to focus in on this evening is that we all have a story to tell of what God has done in our lives or what God is doing. But I mean, perhaps like Neville, we've all sort of been in a place where the story doesn't seem to make sense or we're not in a very good stage of the story. Perhaps it's a result of our own poor decisions that have landed us there. Perhaps it's just a result of heartbreak or injustice or, or something that we've suffered. But we all get to a stage of our lives where we, we can tell the story of our lives and how we tell it matters. Do we tell it in a way that says, look at the hand of God on my life? Or do we tell it in a way that's sort of just like, ah, this is where I am. And I want to encourage us tonight to be able to get to the stage of our story where we can see the hand of God on our lives. And as Psalm 107 verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Tonight, I want to encourage us to get to a stage where we can say, as Joseph did, even that which was intended for harm, God is able to turn for good. That God is working all things to the, together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so, you know, we, we think of Neville. He, he wrestled God throughout his life. He wrestled to do things in his own strength. He wrestled to get a blessing from God and found that the blessing of God came on the other side of submission to God that instead of wrestling with God to get a blessing, it came in the submission to God that blessing arrives. We famously read about this in Jacob, the story of Jacob who was renamed Israel, which literally, message, which literally means he who wrestles with God. Jacob tried to wrestle blessings in his own strength, tried to trick his father into blessing him instead of his brother, tried to steal his brother's inheritance. Don't try to do that. I'm a younger brother. You don't want to run away from your older brother your whole life. All the younger brothers, I see James and John looking at each other with a snigger over there. Just relax. The Lord will bless you. Don't try to trick your dad. Don't try to trick your brother. 
And John, don't give away your, your blessing just for one meal. Jacob even tried to wrestle for a wife. And then he was tricked by his uncle Laban. There's one of my favorite scriptures that makes me laugh in the Old Testament. It speaks of Jacob's wedding night. And in the morning, there was Leah. It was the wrong, the wrong bride. So don't wake up next to the wrong bride either. That's just for free. But Jacob spent his life trying to wrestle with God to earn or to, to get his own blessing and found that in surrendering to God is where the blessing comes from. And we all, we all try to do this, right? We all try to wrestle for blessing. Speaking of Jacob and Rachel, I know, um, you, you all know that I'm recently married, very happily married to my wife, Kelly Jo. But my, my parents are sitting over there and Vincent has been around long enough to be friends with me and Timon and a few others to know that before Kelly Jo, I try to wrestle for, for a blessing. And you, you bump your head a few times, you do things in your own strength, required Vincent or my older brother to just pull me aside and say, whoa, 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 don't go down there, just relax. Just relax, stop trying to force it. Stop trying to wrestle God for your blessing. And then you wait until you're in serving communion in the parking lot and then the right person might just arrive. Um, that's how Kelly Joe and I... Uh, yeah, started. But we, we try and wrestle God. Maybe, maybe it's not relationally. Um, I'm quite a sporty guy. I've always loved my sport. I think I love my sport more than I'm actually capable of playing sport. So I thought, you know, I, I was an A-team cricketer growing up. I thought, oh, I'll wrestle God to be a pro tier one day and I'll, I'll become a pro tier. It didn't work out. And maybe a footballer, and I was a decent goalkeeper, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be. And now, you know, now I'm a referee because, you know, if you love sports enough, but you're not that good, they give you a whistle. And they're like, yeah, go for it. And um, a couple of the guys there that I've refed at the back, um, hopefully, you know, they still come to church here, so I can't be that bad. Um, <clears throat> but you, you try and wrestle God, and you get a bit anxious about things. And I remember having conversations with my dad, who faithfully comes to, to watch me ref on Saturdays, and thinking, oh, Dad, I should be further ahead. I should, I should be further. And I, I'm so gr actually so grateful to God looking back at His hand upon the journey. You see how He develops your character, the stories that you get to tell, the experiences that you get to have. And only on the other side of submitting to God can we see His hand at work and actually receive the blessing of what God is able to do. I referenced Joseph earlier. You know, in, when Joseph had his dream, he told his brothers, he landed in a pit in Potiphar's house and in a prison. At those stages of his story, he might have been a bit bitter as to what is happening. But at the end of his story, eventually when God opened his eyes and he submitted to God, he was able to say, ah, even that which is intended for harm, God worked for good. And I encourage us tonight to be able to look back correctly, see the hand of God at work in our lives, and let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, to submit to God and say, ah, God, you have been working all things together for the good. Amen? We all have a story to tell. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. That, that scripture is actually prefaced with another scripture that says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. There's a, that's what we're giving thanks for. That's why we ought to tell our stories accurately. Because our stories testify to the faithfulness of God. We were, I spoke a little bit about this last week. When we recount 
with thanksgiving, we recall accurately God's character. Jesus Christ is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so it stirs within us a confidence in God's character that what we've seen Him do in the past, we will see Him do in the future. And we encourage one another in the character and the faithfulness of God. We build one another up having been built up by God. We restore one another, having been restored by God. We renew those around us, having been renewed by Christ. So may the redeemed of the Lord tell this story. This scripture that I keep referencing implies that God has done a work in us to redeem us already so that we can tell of His redemption. So if we think of Jesus, when He announces Himself in public ministry in Luke chapter 4, he reads from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61. And he, he says, today in your hearing, the scripture is fulfilled. And he reads verses 1 to 3. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and the year of the Lord's favor, to bestow on those who mourn uh, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, joy for, um, for dis- so joy for despair, beauty for ashes. It's beautiful. And it's everything that Jesus does for us. And the, we've, we are the redeemed whom Jesus has done that for. But then that scripture lands on the people whom Jesus has redeemed. Those who, are, who we are calling to tell their story. Those people are like a are like oaks of righteousness, a planting for the display of the Lord's splendor. Then it goes on to say, those people whom the Lord has redeemed, who we are saying should tell their story, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The reason why I wanted to read that, pas- that part of Isaiah 61, as opposed to the first, one, first part, is that it is beautiful what Jesus has done for us. And we can tell of it all the days of our lives and we share that with everyone. But then we get to a stage where we are those who have been redeemed and we partner with with heaven in doing the rebuilding, in doing the restoring and in doing the renewing as the hands and feet of Jesus on earth. So let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Oh, wow, thank you. So I want to look at three parts of that scripture in Isaiah 61 verse 4 for us to apply to our lives. The three things that we're called to do as the redeemed, those whom Jesus has redeemed. Firstly, we're called to rebuild. Now, if we think of Neville's life, he was on the streets. He was down and out, a couple of grams of took a day. Um, That's hectic. He was... He was, had a rope around his, his neck. That's no small thing. And, you know, some things in our lives need to be um, cleaned up, but some things are so ruined that they actually just need to be broken down and rebuilt from scratch. Perhaps even the foundation is not correct. And one of the things that Jesus helps us to do is to look at the areas of our lives that perhaps we've allowed to become broken or ruined because we haven't built well and we haven't built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. We haven't built on the way that God has taught us to build. 
And so we start by going to Jesus and allowing him to rebuild our lives on the foundation of himself, Jesus Christ. You know, that's kind of what we do when we go through the waters of baptism. We are united with him in a death like his so that we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We're saying some things in our life, the way we were doing things before Jesus, needs to be put to death, completely destroyed, but then rebuilt in newness of life through whom Jesus is. And so those things are what we do or what we lay down when we come to Jesus. We allow him to... to completely destroy that which has gone up, which was destroyed and to rebuild on him as the foundation. We think of some things to do in our lives, some things that need to be completely rebuilt. It's a scary project. Some things we might hold on to from our past, the way we did things before we were in a relationship with Jesus and think, yo, I don't know if I'm quite ready to, to get rid of that. We think of some things in our homes, some things we've perhaps hoarded or held onto for a long time that actually are, we keep plastering over the cracks, but they're really quite broken and need to be destroyed completely. We do that in our hearts and in our souls with our lives. And it's difficult to confront that some things have to go and be rebuilt from scratch. But, but the thing is, we're called by Jesus to confront that voluntarily with him. If we think of David and Goliath, we all have giants that require confronting. David voluntarily confronted that giant in the strength of God and was able to overcome it, experience victory, and receive a reward. The rest of the Israelites, they didn't, they didn't choose to confront it. They were confronted by their giant and were paralyzed with fear. And so my encouragement to us tonight is some areas of our lives need to be rebuilt, need to be confronted put to death, and started afresh on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And my encouragement, like David, is to confront it in the strength of God on our own terms. Slay those giants that need to be slayed, for God is with you. Right. Yeah, we can either wait to be confronted and then have to rebuild ruins, or we can confront on our own terms and rebuild with Jesus Colossians 2 puts it this way. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanks, thankfulness. When all, sometimes, some areas of our lives, all that remains are ruins. But Jesus is able to take the rubble and rebuild on Him as a foundation, rebuilding faithfully and rebuilding firmly. And then, once we have been rebuilt, we help to rebuild others. Neville's story is one of being rebuilt, but he hasn't just stopped there and then forgot about God. He is spending his life telling his story so that he can build others up. He's leading a grow group, telling others. He's launching a, an addiction recovery group to help others become rebuilt in Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. That's the working out of that, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Be built by Jesus and then rebuild others. Help them to rebuild on the foundation of Jesus Christ. 
Amen? Secondly, we're called from that scripture in Isaiah 61. We first rebuild, and then we're called to restore. Now, rebuilding, I said, is those things that are clearly broken, that need to be demolished and rebuilt from scratch. A fresh foundation laid on Jesus and rebuilt the way, in the way of God. To restore is to take perhaps that which is not on a bad foundation, just that which is lost or forgotten about or left together dust. Not necessarily broken, but requiring, requiring restoration. Neville, all the way, he might have made some bad decisions that needed to be rebuilt, but all the way through, he had a relationship with God. We had a, had a knowledge of God. He just needed to be restored unto relationship. We think of the parable of the prodigal son. It was always a son. He just needed to be restored back to the father. And so Jesus is able to restore us back to him. Perhaps like Neville, you've been hurt. We, we get hurt and we require a restoration of our identity. I remember mentioned um, being married, but then some bad decisions in the past. I had my heart broken badly in 2012. I was young, I was in love, I was 19, 20 years old, I thought this is the girl I'm going to marry. And um, everyone said, bad idea. But I thought, oh, she's wonderful. <laughs> Even her own cousin was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Not for you. I was like, no, this is the way I'm going. And uh, I got my heart broken badly. And then for a while, I was just... My friends used to joke that I was the forever alone guy. Never, like I, can't, I couldn't talk to girls. Um, is, is Nick Moyes here, Tim? I don't see him. I remember once walking in the back of en en Entrance One. The coffee shop was still at Entrance One. And there was a girl that Nick wanted to introduce me to. By the time Nick got to the coffee shop, I was out of Entrance Three. I'd run away. But all that would, I, 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 didn't, I hadn't been broken completely. I just needed to be restored in my identity. Psalm 51 verse 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Not everything has to be broken down completely. I didn't have to sort of, as Vince mentioned this morning, navel gaze and get stuck, you know, um, unpacking every area of my life. I'd had a good life. My parents raised me well. I was in a stable family. I knew the Lord. I just had my heart broken and just had to be restored to my identity of who God had called me to be and how my parents had raised me in the way of the Lord. And sometimes we get battered and bruised by life, but we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We just need to be restored unto God. The prodigal son come home to be loved by their father, clothed in righteousness once again. Our salvation and the joy of it restored unto us. And so perhaps today you just need to be restored back unto God so that you can say, ah, yes, I remember I am a son or a daughter of God. This, whom, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Let your salvation be restored or the joy of your salvation be restored unto you. And then, having been restored, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. We restore others. So after I'd had my heart broken, I was a very insecure young man after that. So I used to go to university and we, we would have, in the early days of university, you have long gaps between your classes, right? 
You have like a 7.45 lecture and like 11 o'clock and then like a 4 o'clock lecture. And what do you do in between that? Normal people, you go to the crawl or to the library. But I was so insecure about sitting alone that I used to drive home. I would skip the afternoon. I lived in Red House, so it's quite a drive. So I would just skip the afternoon lectures. I missed classes. That's probably why I'm not a CA anymore. <laughs> but now I passed. I passed. Don't worry. But I, I was so insecure that I used to, instead of sitting alone at Varsity, and I didn't need to. I actually had friends, but I, I thought I was so insecure. Maybe my friends didn't even want to be my friends. I used to think my parents paid people to be friends with me. It sounds ridiculous, but I genuinely believed that. But once God restored to me my, the joy of His salvation in me, I realized, okay, wait, maybe I should keep an eye out on people who sit alone and make sure they never feel the way I did. And so on Sunday at church, I try to go out of my way to make sure nobody's sitting alone. And some people like their own company, and that's fine. But Perhaps that's you in a different area. Perhaps you need to be the person that goes up to someone and says, hey, can I sit with you? And we have a cup of coffee. And whatever area it is that God has restored you, you go out and restore others. Galatians 6.1 says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. I think, you know, it doesn't always have to be caught in a sin. It can just be a sense that God has restored my the joy of His salvation in my life. And now I have the privilege of going out and restoring somebody else. You know, that scripture goes on to say, watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. I kept that in there because sometimes if I, if I, I act on that, every now and again, my insecurities play up, right? Even once the Lord has redeemed us, we can still have insecurities. Is that okay to say? And I have to check myself that I don't, I don't land up in situations again that rattle me so much and, and send me down a spiral. We should consider ourselves a sober judgment. If I think of David and Goliath, I referenced earlier, Saul tried to put his armor on him and David was like, no, this armor is not for me. I've got to go in who God has called me to be. And so I, you should go in where God has restored you in the strength that He has given you to be called to do what he has called you to do. Vince has been restored in different ways. He has different strengths, and I have been restored in different ways and have different strengths. And if each member of the body plays their part, together we are able to restore the places long desolate, as the scripture said, let the redeemed of the, of the Lord tell their story. And then finally, having rebuilt and restored, we are called to renew. There is there are some things that need to be rebuilt from scratch, some things that are lost or that have gathered dust that need to be restored. And then there are just some things that need to be renewed on a daily basis. We are renewed in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, behold, the old is gone. They are a new creation. But Neville's example is one of a constant renewing of his mind now that he has been redeemed to remind himself of who he is in Christ. We all need a constant renewal of who we are in God, lest we go down a, a bad path. You know, what we don't renew regularly will eventually require restoration. And if we don't pay attention, 
what we don't restore will go to rack and ruin, and then we will have to rebuild from the ruins. We think of a renewal of marriage vows. We don't have to wait for a marriage to fall apart to renew our vows. We renew our love for one another daily. Ah, my wife, love you. Renew it daily. We don't allow decay to to take root before we go back and renew it. You think of watering the grass. You do it regularly, it renews it to life. You think of running. Who here has been a runner and then not run for six weeks and then try to run again? It burns your lungs like anything. But if you do it on a daily basis, you renew your fitness daily, you stay strong, you stay fit, you stay healthy. Things require regular renewal. So two things that Scripture tell us to renew regularly. Firstly, we have to renew our minds. Our minds are powerful things. Vincent referenced the Scripture this morning that says, we have the mind of Christ. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The need to renew our mind so that we stay in our position as children of God, our identity as sons and daughters of God. Regular renewal is required through the reading of Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. We, Philippians 4.8 tells us that we can think on things that are God-honoring. It is a requirement of us to renew our minds regularly so that we maintain the mind of Christ and help one another do that. Scripture says, iron sharpens iron. And so we, we remind one another and you one another's minds. When one of us goes astray, you help your friend. Say, hey, 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 renew your mind in Christ. Remember who you are. So we renew our minds and then we renew our spirits. Psalm 51 verse 10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Neville had had a crushed spirit, but required a renewing of his spirit in Christ. I had a crushed spirit, but required a renewing of my spirit in Christ. Renew a steadfast spirit within me, Father. Help me to stay on the path of following you. Vincent spoke about this morning that we don't receive a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. A spirit that helps us become renewed in Christ and then renew all things as we go. Scripture tells us that when Christ renews us, we are then called to be those who renew others and renew all the world. The end of the Bible is really a new beginning and it tells us that we are those who renew heaven on earth. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He who was seated, seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those who Christ has made new, we are called to go out and renew others, renew the world and establish the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. So my encouragement to us tonight is to allow Jesus to rebuild our lives on the solid foundation, to restore us unto the Father, and to renew us in Him, and then to let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Be those who rebuild others, who restore others, and who renew others. Then they will be a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. If we desire to be a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor, we 
are renewed in Christ, restored in Christ, rebuilt in Christ. And we rebuild, restore, and renew others. I pray that this has been encouraging to you this evening. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we close. And we're going to have Robin Keys and some ministry team up front. And I'm going to invite you, if you're in a position that you feel like perhaps you need Jesus to do some work in your life. Perhaps there's something that you need to confront and allow Jesus to rebuild on, his, on the foundation of who He is. Or something that has a decent foundation, it's just been lost or left to gather dust. And you need the joy of God's salvation restored unto you. And you need to be renewed in your spirit. That the same Spirit that raised Christ from the grave dwells also within you. That His Spirit confirms with your spirit that you are a child of God. And tonight, I want to encourage you to take advantage of those up front to pray. We'll stay here for as long as we need to, to pray for you. So I'm going to take a moment now to pray over us all and then invite you to come forward for prayer if you'd like to. Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to bring good news to the poor in spirit, to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives. We thank you, Jesus, that in you is the year of the Lord's favour and a crown of beauty for those who mourn instead of ashes, joy instead of despair, and praise instead of mourning. We thank you that in you we can be a planting for the display of your splendour. Thank you, Father, that you have redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And now we can tell the story of your goodness and your faithfulness. And so for every person here tonight who needs an area of their life to be rebuilt on the foundation of Jesus Christ, who need to be restored unto you, Father, and have the joy of your salvation, restore them. Or their spirit renewed within them as followers of Jesus, we commit them to you tonight. We commit each one of us that has been redeemed of the Lord to partner with heaven, to be those who tell the story and who rebuild others, who restore others unto you and who renew the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And so we thank you that this is available in you, Jesus. And we commit each one of us to you and to your service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for spending the evening with us. As I said, personal prayer available after the service. Uh, Guest lounge at the back, coffee, ice creams, and iced coffee outside. God bless you and good night.